church. Thank you for joining us this morning at Central Baptist Church. We're so excited to have everyone here this morning. Today we are going to get together and we're going to praise the Lord. Psalm 100 tells us to enter his courts of thanksgiving, enter his presence with praise, and that is exactly the plan this morning. We've got things to praise him for, we've got things to be thankful for, and so we're going to get together and sing about that right now. God of 
Well, good morning. You can be seated and welcome to worship. It's so good to see you here this morning. I'm glad that, uh, that you're here with us this morning. I hope your summer is going well and uh, you enjoyed a f- good 4th of July um, week. It wasn't really a weekend, I guess, but uh, a good day on Tuesday. I hope you enjoyed the time together, either with family or friends, watching fireworks, just enjoying time together in our community. We had a lot going on in our community and among our family. So I'm um, just thankful that um, uh, for our nation and we celebrated that. We're here this morning, though, to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's the greatest thing that God has done in our life, and we remember that this morning. You know, today, listen, if you're here with us for the first time, we want to welcome you to our worship service this morning. I'm Pastor Sonny Hathaway and the pastor here at Central Baptist, and we want to welcome you as our guest. You know, when you came in, right in front of you where you're seated, there's a little card for you to fill out, and I would like you to take that, just fill that out in the service today, and then at the end of the service, just drop in one of the boxes as you're leaving today by the doorways, and we would love just to, uh, uh, to hear from you and maybe follow up with you very quickly and see how we can minister to you, pray for you, and so forth. Um, and there are also an opportunity for you to write down prayer requests. If you, anyone in our congregation, if you're visiting or you're a member, write down some prayer requests. We have a prayer team that are willing to pray for you this coming week over important matters that are going on in your life. So we want to be, um, be make, make sure that we're going to be praying for you. You know what this week is, don't you? Y'all, y'all know what this week is? Vacation Bible School Week, yeah. BBS Week. Hey, listen, we have had an army of people up here the last three days decorating and uh, preparing this facility. This is nothing compared to the rest of the building. So I want to encourage you to go around the facility, uh, the campus today, and just see and look at all of the hard work that so many of you have put in. And we've got so many people, so many of you are, um, are serving. We've got over 70 volunteers that are going to be serving in VBS this week. We've got a great number of children already registered. We need more, and we're going to have more begin- that will be registering, of course, tomorrow. But it starts tomorrow. And all five days this week, we're going to be here in the morning, uh, pouring into children's lives, pouring into families' lives, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and having a lot of fun doing it. And so what I want to encourage you to do is pray, pray, pray this week for VBS. Um, I'll be talking about another little short event that we're going to do after church today to, that involves prayer. I want to encourage you to do that, to be a part of that right at the end of the Bible study hour at noon. I'll talk about that later in the service. But pray this week for VBS. If you're not a part of it or you had to travel or you're out of town this week, please be praying for God to open up the hearts and minds of children this week. Now, our students had a great week at student camp. And I just want to share with you just very quickly what happened, and then I've got one that's going to come and share a quick testimony for us in the service, okay? We had 25 students that went to camp this week. We had four volunteers that went with them. God did a great work among them this week. In fact, what I want to share with you this morning, they don't know I have this, but I'm going to share with you just a few short testimony quotes from some of our students from this past week. Listen to this quote from one of our students. I've been drifting lately, a lot of pain with my friends, felt like I wasn't there for them, but God kept talking to me and strengthening me. And there is a lot of lostness in Livingston and on Alaska. I feel bolder now and I feel like I should start leading and teaching in our student ministry. Listen to this other student said this, God has never left me. I've learned more about who Christ is and what he did for me. I have a constant love for Christ now. The word has also helped me realize that I need to forgive someone from the past um, and be more vulnerable in prayer. Listen to one of these students, this student. said, my prayer life was stagnant before camp. I said the same things over and over to God. 
but I learned a method that helped me a lot this week to learn how to pray. I also learned how to study scriptures effectively through our daily devotions. I'm just reading you a few of them. Um, here's a, one or two more. Here's one who had a powerful testimony. I saw the brokenness when I went to a country recently, a few weeks ago, and I didn't want to leave. Something felt like it was missing in my life, and I realized it was God calling me to missions. How about that? Before camp, this is another one. Before camp, I was young um, and in a routine and not connected to God, really. Something inside of me was broken, but when, but then I gave my life to Christ this past week. So many stories. We had five students, yeah. We had five students give their life to Jesus Christ. We had uh, two or three called and kind of are, are, are starting the conversation, feeling led to go into ministry. And uh, I just, I've asked Caleb Sharp to come. He's going to share just a quick story about uh, his experience at camp. And then we're going to worship the Lord some more. Good morning, church. Um, I'm so excited to share the amazing news of what God did at M3 camp. But before I get started, let me introduce myself. My name is Caleb Sharp. Um, I'm a senior student here at M3 camp. So this is my last uh, youth camp as a student. So I went into it with higher expectations. And let me tell you what. God didn't disappoint. For those of you who don't know what M3 stands for, it stands for uh, Moment, Mission, Movement. Moment because the desire is that um, every student would experience a moment with Jesus that would change their life. That moment, right, would then propel into a mission beyond the campground, into the students' lives, um, with their schools, with their homes, with their places of recreation. And the ultimate goal, that the camp would lead to a gospel movement among the youth to reach Texas. Um, as soon as our church vans pulled up to Highland Lakes, the location we were staying at, I had a feeling. I had a sense, a sense of yearning, knowing that the Spirit was about to work in ways I hadn't anticipated. And I'm very happy to report to you that God did His thing. Through various breakouts or classes, we learned new things on several topics, such as how to defend your faith, your call to ministry, and even the harder, more touchy topics such as sexuality, politics, and cancel culture, but all from a biblical view. We played kickball, dodgeball, flag football, and swimming. A lot of swimming in this darn Texas heat. Um, camp isn't camp though unless you stay up late, which you definitely did. We did a lot of late night activities such as Western night where we all dressed up in our boots and jeans and line danced the evening away. The scavenger hunt where every church group worked as a team to find several objects around camp. Foam night, where we had a dance party in a seemingly endless pit of foam. And finally, a light the night, where fireworks were shot into the dark to illuminate the sky. While all this, these, this fun, these events were memorable, one fact stuck with me more than, more than any of them. In mid-November 2022, research showed that the world had reached a population of 8 billion people. To put that in perspective, if you counted right now, one, one human per second, so one, two, Three, it would take you 32 years to finish that 8 billion. 32 years. An even more startling fact is that of those 8 billion people, 75% of them are lost without hope. The urgency and the realization for the lost hit hard this week. And it wasn't just me, it was the entire youth group. We had five salvations, two commitments to missions, and one to ministry, myself. And, and I want to thank you for your prayers that you may have prayed over our youth group or in any way you may have contributed to the youth group. It didn't return void. 
but I want to challenge you even further to continue praying for this youth group because we know that God worked, right? But because we know God worked, we know that Satan's going to work overtime. And we know that Satan's going to work even harder to reach this youth group and to tear them down. So I want to challenge you to continue praying. Pray radical prayers. Pray crazy prayers that you may have never even expected yourself to pray over this youth group. God's moving. And um, three things I wrote down the last night of youth group, of the, the camp um, stuck with me, and they're still true. Leaders are being cultivated. Servants are being built. And God is moving. Thank you. Let's stand and continue to praise the Lord. Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin. Lost without hope, no place to begin. Your love made a way let mercy come.
criminal's cross And the darkness rejoices though heaven had lost Let's sing this truth Then Jesus arose with our freedom in hand That's when death was arrested and my life began Oh, your grace so free washes over me You have made me new now life begins 
death that you died there on our behalf, a death that was deserved by us, but a debt that was paid by you. God, we praise you for the, the gift you so freely gave. to God, all the earth, sing the glory of his name, give to him glorious praise. That's not a, that's not a, a question or a, it, it's a demand, guys, okay? <laughs> it's a demand, hallelujah. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds, so great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth will worship you and sing praises to you. They sing praises to your name. And it says to stop and think about that. The enemies are going to praise. They're going to cringe with praise. What kind of praise are you giving today, though? Hallelujah. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds towards the children of men. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the rivers on foot. Do you remember?
Man, isn't it good to read scripture? Isn't it good to hear testimonies of God's work in, in the lives of young people and in the lives of adults? And man, God is at work. He's always at work. Let's pray together, and then we're going to open God's word and look at uh, what he has to say to us this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the time that we've had to worship you through music. We thank you for the gift of music. We thank you that, Lord, when we open up the Old Testament and the New Testament, you point us to uh, one of the ways in which we express our worship of you, and that is through great music. And so we thank you for the great hymns of the faith. We thank you, Lord, for spiritual songs. We thank you, Lord, for the, the, the lyrics that both edify us and encourage us and stir us up, Lord, to worship you and to keep on going, to keep on following you. Uh, even sometimes when it's difficult to do so, 
Um, Even sometimes, Lord, when things are not going our way, we want to still worship you. God, we thank you, Lord, for the music in which we can sing that points us to you, Jesus. For, Lord, we're not here to be about us, to be about ourselves, to be about a church or anything of that nature. Lord, we're here to amplify and to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ, your son, Father. God, we thank you this morning for the time that we've had to worship you. We thank you for the testimonies of what you've done in the lives of young people in this this last week. We thank you for the many who have already served and are preparing to serve this coming week in Vacation Bible School. We are grateful, Father, for the ways in which you are moving in our church in these days. We want to thank you this morning, Holy Spirit. For, Lord, our Holy Spirit, you exist inside of us. You unite us. You link us together as a congregation. We thank you for the family in which you have attached ourselves to but that is all made possible because of you. And we pray this morning that you, Holy Spirit, would manifest the presence of Jesus among us, that you would continue to show us the presence and the power of Jesus Christ among us through the changed lives of people, through the change that is yet to come in the lives of people. Would you continue to do that work in us? Would you continue to do that work through us, in and through our congregation in these days, in these weeks, in these months? in which we walk with you. Now, Lord, we thank you this morning as we turn to this coming week for the opportunity we have to pour into families and to children. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to serve you. It's going to be a tiring week, Lord. It's going to be an exhausting week, but, Lord, it is going to be an incredible week of giving our lives away for the sake of not only gaining the life that you promise us, an abundant life, but Lord, to invest in the lives of other people, to invest in the lives of people in our community, and we pray for strength. We pray for energy. We pray that you would give us stamina. Every person that that, that serves across this campus, that you would give them stamina, that you would give them confidence, confidence not in themselves or their abilities, but that, Lord, you would give them a complete and utter dependence upon you in those moments to teach your word, to minister, to have that smile on their faces, Lord, to love on children, to love on families, to love on moms and dads who come into these doors. We just pray that, Holy Spirit, you would move among us as a collective team. And Lord, we pray that you'd open up the hearts of children this week. We pray that you would open their hearts to understand who you are, Jesus, to understand what you've done for them on the cross and from the grave, that you would understand that, Lord, there is a better life that they can give themselves to, and that is to you, that you are the key to life. And so, Jesus, we pray that you would save many this week. We pray that, Lord, there would be many who would come and turn to you as their Savior and their Lord. And, Lord, tonight, or this morning, what we pray this morning is that you would open up our hearts. God, we pray that you would take away any distractions in our hearts and in our minds and that, Lord, you would speak into our lives. I want to ask our congregation, with your heads bowed, eyes closed, would you pray for me? Would you just pray for me in this moment now? Would you pray that I would, my mind and my heart would be clear, and that I would speak clearly what God has laid on my heart to our congregation this morning? And Lord, we thank you for this time of prayer. We give this time to you because we want to hear from you and respond to your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, we'll take your Bibles this morning and open them 
to the book of the Psalms, and you're going to open up to Psalm 34 this morning. Um, If you have been with us the last few weeks, you know that what we have been looking at on Sunday mornings is a specific series over the course of the summer that we're calling How to Praise God in Hard Times and Difficult Times. We've been looking at various psalms. So we looked a couple Sundays ago at Psalm 5. Then last Sunday we looked at Psalm 57. Today we're going to look at Psalm 34. God has been speaking to us and moving in our hearts through these psalms as we think about hard times, as we think about difficult days. We've been singing songs and worshiping along those lines, reminding ourselves and being encouraged along those lines. We've been praying prayers. We've been reading scripture along those lines, like the scripture, the psalm that we read this morning and looked at this morning. And so we're looking this morning, as we are over the course of the summer, about this issue of how to praise God in hard times. That may sound simplistic, but God has so much he wants to show us and teach us about how to praise God, how to worship him, how to thank him in difficult times. We're doing that through the life of David, as David went through a tremendous amount, didn't he? I mean, he was betrayed by his own son. Um, He went through hard, hard times. If you read 1 and 2 Samuel, you'll see that. And he expresses his heart towards God in the Psalms. We read his personal journal, if you will. We read about how he was working through that, how he was worshiping the Lord through that and through his hard times, through his difficult times. God was at work in David's heart and David's life. We're going to see that here in Psalm 34. Now, I grew up in Virginia. I didn't grow up in Texas. I lived in Texas a long time now, but I grew up in Virginia. And in Virginia, we had what were called seasons. Y'all know what that is? (laughs) You know, we had a true winter that led to a spring, you know, and that spring led to a summer, and that summer led to, yeah, that's right, a fall. In Texas, what we've learned over the many years we've lived here is we have two seasons. We just have hot and mild, and we're in that hot season right now, right? And we've got that 50% of the year where we're hot. We've got to have those air conditionings cranking, right? We've got to make sure that HVAC guy comes out on a regular basis, hot and mild. But one thing about growing up in Virginia that you always knew is that the seasons were going to change. It wasn't going to be winter all year. It wasn't going to be spring all year, although it was beautiful. It wasn't going to be fall all year or the summer all year. The seasons would change. The fact of the matter is, in our lives, when it comes to crisis and difficult times in our life, crises tend to do that in our life. We tend to go from really good times to really crisis and moments of crisis in our life, moments of difficulty in our life, moments of trouble in our life, moments of pain in our life, moments of suffering in our life. We find ourselves at times asking that all familiar, too familiar question. Because crises come when we least expect it. They don't come. They're not on a calendar. They're not like scheduled, right? Don't you wish they were scheduled so you could prepare for them? But they're not. And so they come when we least expect it. And we find ourselves saying this all too familiar question, how did I get here? You ever ask yourself that question? How in the world did I get here? Like things were going so well a month ago or things were going so well last year or six months ago or even last week. How in the world did I get here? Maybe you're not asking the Lord why. Maybe you're not complaining to the Lord. You're just sitting here going, how in the world did did we get to this place? But I want to propose to us this morning that maybe that's not the question you and I should be asking because the fact of the matter is the seasons will change. Crisis will come. It's not a matter of if, but when. 
But the question we should be asking is not how did I get here, but how do I walk through it? Because that's the important question. And the fact of the matter is God knows these crises are going to come into our life. He knows these difficult days are going to come. These moments and seasons of suffering are going to come. Right? The Lord knows the past, the present, and the future. He knows what's going to happen later today in your life. He knows what you're going to have for lunch. You have no idea. Some of you do. But he knows what you're going to have for lunch. He knows everything about your life and what's coming up around the, around the turn. He knows what season you're about to walk into. He knows what season you're in the middle of now. He knows what season you've just come out of. And what God comes to us with, and, and this psalm is very helpful here because it reminds us of how do we walk through and how do we journey through these crises that we walk through and move into. I think this psalm helps us. You see, because this psalm is going to teach us one undeniable truth, that when life goes bad, remember the goodness of God. When life goes bad, I want you to remember the goodness of God. The backstory on this psalm in Psalm 34 is, of course, David. It's the David season. His, his season is he's in a very bad season. He's in a very difficult season in his life. We've talked about generally the season that David is in the middle of in the last two Sundays that we've been walking through the Psalms, but here in particular. Psalm or in 1 Samuel chapter 21, we are going to come to this story. This Psalm is an expression of how God rescued him or God saved him out of a particular situation he found himself in. You see, David was welcomed at the table of Saul, King Saul in the palace. But there was a moment in which Saul became very jealous of David chased him out of the, t- of, the, of, the, of the palace, threw spears at him to try to kill him, became incredibly r- enraged and jealous of, of Saul or of David, chased him away, and so David ran. He came to this place called Nob, N-O-B. When he gets to this place called Nob, he comes across and speaks to this particular priest known as Ahimelech. It's there that David is so famished, he is so hungry because he's running for, literally running for his life, that Ahimelech gives him the holy bread from the, from the place there that sustains David, that gives him sustenance. He arms himself, believe it or not, with the sword that was kept there with that priest, the sword of Goliath. Remember the story, the famous story of David and Goliath? Yeah, we know that story, right? And David gets this sword and takes it with him. Now he's armed, he's eaten the holy bread of, of their knob, of, of what God has provided for him. But this psalm is a psalm of a response of what has happened in the story next. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 21, verse 10. Look at this verse. And David rose and he fled that day from Saul and he went to Achish, the king of Gath. Let me tell you something about where David was in his heart and in his life. He was so desperate that he was so desperate to run and to hide and to be saved that he ran, believe it or not, to the Philistines. David runs to the Philistines to seek shelter from this king. There in the story of 1 Samuel 21, after he visits Nob, he travels to the Philistines, believe it or not, and he spends time there with this king, the king of Gath, named Achish. He thought he would join as a, an anonymous mercenary for the Philistines. That's how desperate he was. Here is David, who 
was welcomed at the king's table, now trying to fake an anonymous mercenary title in the very enemy of Israel. He's trying to hide. He's running for his life. But here's the thing. The more that he tried to hide, the servants that were around the king began to look at him, and they began to notice the fact that, you know what, that's, no, no, hang on, that's David. That's the one who slayed Goliath. He's the great enemy. He's the one that everybody brags about over in Israel that kills the thousands of us. Like, are you kidding me? And next thing you know, what David does is he begins to pretend like he's insane He pretends as though he's this insane person, that his sanity is gone, so much so that it works. The king there looks at David and doesn't realize it's David and looks at him and says, I don't want this insane person around me. Get him out of here. And David is then kicked out of the Philistines and is back now with his men. And in that moment, in response to that story, he pens Psalm 34. You see, David had gone through a very difficult time. In his sad and weak state, he experiences the goodness of God in this moment. And listen, church, that same goodness is is evident this morning in our very lives. You see, life is going to go bad sometimes. We're going to go from seasons of good to bad. But what God shows you and I of this is how to respond. And I want to show you this morning as David declares, both declares and he invites us to follow God in three distinct ways. I want you to notice in the text this morning, first of all, that when life goes bad, bless the Lord. When life goes bad, just bless the Lord. That's what he wants you to do. Look at your Bibles with me again this morning in Psalm 34, verse one. Listen to these first few verses. David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. He's not done. Look at verse four. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of his troubles. David begins in this psalm with a declaration. He says, bless the Lord. He says, I'm going to bless the Lord. You know, when you bless others, what do you do when you bless others? You say a kind word about someone, don't you? You say, hey, let me, let me bless you. And you say a kind word about that individual. Maybe you encourage them with an encouraging word. But when you bless the Lord, what do you do? You begin to tell him something that he already knows about himself. You begin to declare to him the truth that he has already revealed to you about himself. You begin to communicate God's kindness. You begin to talk to God about his generosity. You begin to talk to God about his provision. You begin to bless the Lord. And so it is a declaration. But notice the declaration in verse 1, the first top phrase. What does it say? I will bless the Lord when? In good times? No, he says what? In, good, in all times. Yeah, you bless the Lord at all times. And so what David is going to do is every time he's going to bless the Lord, every season that goes through his life, he's going to praise God. He's going to bless the Lord. He's going to talk to the Lord about his generosity. He's going to talk to the Lord about his goodness. He's going to talk to the Lord about his kindness and all of his patience upon his life. That's what David's going to do. Every time he didn't understand he's going to bless the Lord. Every time that everything did not go well for him, he's going to bless the Lord. Every time that the outcome did not come in in the sense in which he thought or expected or hoped for, he's going to bless the Lord. That's what David's going to do. 
He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. You see, he understood that this was not about David. This wasn't about him changing his figure, you know, to look insane. It was that God had rescued him from the Philistines again. God had saved him on the battlefield, but it wasn't about the battlefield. It wasn't about David. It was all about God when he came to Goliath. But God had saved him here again. God had delivered him from Saul. God had delivered him from Achish. God had delivered him time and time again. This was about the Lord, and so he was going to bless the Lord at all times. In fact, when you read this psalm, that phrase, bless the Lord, 16 times. You think that's important to David? It's going to be all about his personal relationship with his God. He's going to bless the Lord at all times. He had the proper perspective. God had spared David. He was out of enemy territory. God had saved him once again. But it wasn't just a declaration. What does David do? It is an invitation. I mean, look at verse 1 again with me. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. And let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with what? Me. This is not just a declaration. What David wants you and I to do, what God wants you and I to do is to magnify his name, is to glorify his name. You see, it's the humble that David invites to join him in thanking God for his deliverance. He wants you and I to praise God in this room this morning for delivering David from Achish. That's what he's saying. He's inviting you and I, not just a declaration in his personal life, but he wants you and I to magnify the Lord. You know what you do when you magnify the Lord? You celebrate God's greatness. You remind yourself of God's sovereign hand. You remind yourself that God has got this, that God is in control of all things, and that's not just a cliche. That's not something to put on a bumper sticker. That's not something to put on a plaque and just stick it in your house. God is in control. He holds all things together. He moves in every area of your life. There is nothing that is outside of his control. Bless the Lord. That's what he wants you to remember. That's what David's saying about his own life, but it's also an invitation for you and I to do this. But don't miss this, because at the end of verse 3, what does he say? He says, oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us what? Exalt his name with individually? No, together. We're to do this together. It's, I think about this on this side of Jesus Christ, on this side of God's word. Listen, here's the thing. What God has done in your and I, you and my life is he has saved us through Jesus Christ. For those of us in this room who are Christians, for those of us in this room who have said yes to Jesus Christ and are following him, we now are Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, but we are not isolated. We're not individualistic. We are covenanted together in our congregation. Listen, we come together. This is why you and I need a local church in our lives. This is why you and I need to come together and bless the Lord and magnify the Lord together. There is something to be said about you sitting in your truck or you sitting at your house worshiping the God, God and blessing him and magnifying him. We should do that. We ought to do that every day at all times. But there is something powerful when God's people come together and worship him. They come together and bless the Lord. They come together and magnify the name of the Lord and this is why, young people, you should spend time with older people and find out how God has moved in their life. You will bless the Lord. You will magnify the name of Jesus Christ. It is good for us to see and hear how God is moving in the lives of young people so that as older adults, you can bless the Lord. You can magnify the name of Jesus Christ, even in the midst of your crisis. 
you bless the Lord because God is so good. He's so good. Why is David so, why is it so impressed upon him to bless the Lord? Why is it so impressed upon him to magnify the name of the Lord? Well, he answers that in verse four. He said, I sought the Lord and he did what? He answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall, be, shall never be ashamed. God answers prayer. This is what David did. He showed up. God showed up and worked in David's life. And so he sought the Lord in verse 4. Look at verse 5. He looked to him. Look at verse 6. He cried to him. You see, God answers prayer. Look at the verses again with me. He answers prayer. He takes away the fear of man, by the way. He makes the face of a man radiant. He hears our prayers. He saves us out of trouble. Now, that's difficult to do, is to bless the Lord in the midst of difficult days, isn't it? I mean, that's not easy. But what does the Lord say to us? We're to give thanks at all times. I mean, in the New Testament, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, look at this. He says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I mean, there's no asterisk there. You know what I mean by that? There's not, hey, I'm supposed to thank the Lord in all circumstances, but, 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 but if this is going on in your life, it's okay. You don't have to. Now, there's no asterisk. Give thanks in the Lord in, in, in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is God's will. He wants us to give thanks in all times. God enables us to do that. I think about this word radiant. Look at the verse again, verse 5. This is what he says. Those who look to him are radiant. What does that mean? And their faces shall never be ashamed. This same word shows up in Isaiah chapter 60. And the same word references there in Isaiah chapter 60 to a mother's face the first time she sees her child who is lost. I want you to get that picture in your mind. A mother who sees her child after that child has been lost and how the face of that mother lights up. The sense of relief, the sense of joy, the sense of excitement that's the idea of when you look to the Lord in the midst of your crisis, you bless the Lord, you look to him, you seek him in that space, in that moment, God makes your face radiant. What do you do when the seasons change? When life goes bad, remember the goodness of God. Bless the Lord. But David's not done. We bless the Lord because of who he is, because of what he does, he answers prayer. But look at what David says next. Because secondly, when life goes bad, we fear the Lord. David says, I will bless the Lord, but also David then calls us to fear the Lord with our life. Look at verse seven with me. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Who's with me? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. He's not done. Look at verse 11. Come, old children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. 
You see, look, at, look back at verse 7. Where does the army of the Lord encamp? Look at verse 7 with me. The angel of the Lord, what, encamps what? Around who? Those who fear the Lord. If you fear the Lord in your life and you're blessing him, you're praising him, you're magnifying his name, you're with him, you've stayed with him, what does the army of the Lord do? It encamps around you. It surrounds you. The Lord is surrounding you if you're following him, if you're blessing him, if you've stayed with the Lord. He's encamping around you. What an incredibly encouraging verse. He camps around those who fear the Lord. What does it mean to fear the Lord? It means to revere the Lord. It means to put him in the proper place. You cannot fear the Lord if you have not been humbled. If you come to him with pride, if you try to live a life of dependence, of independence rather, and not dependence upon the Lord in your life, then you've not been humbled. But when you're humble and you put the Lord in the proper place and you put the Lord at the proper place in your life, then you find yourself humbled. And if you find yourself humbled, then it is on the pathway of fearing the Lord. You begin to revere him in your life. That fear of man is replaced with a fear of the Lord, and that is good. Let me tell you why. Because those who fear the Lord need not fear anything else. Who's with me? Those who fear the Lord in their lives need not fear anything else. You don't have to fear what's going to happen in the future. You don't have to fear what's going to happen in the outcome of which you don't understand or know yet. We talked a week or two ago about the fact that you and I cannot see the horizon. Beyond the horizon, you can only see the horizon. I can only see these walls, but I cannot see what's outside right now. I cannot see what's going on in the parking lot. I cannot see what's going on in the children's building. I cannot see that, but the Lord does. And in your life, in the midst of crisis, in the midst of those seasons, that shift and change, good or bad, God sees the past, the present, the future. He sees beyond the horizon. He sees behind you. He sees in your moment. He sees 30 years, 50 years, 60 years, if you've got that many years left, in your life. He sees it. And there is nothing that you have to fear anymore when you fear the Lord, and it is incredibly liberating in your life. It is incredibly freeing in your life because you no longer have to fear when your next paycheck is going to come. You no longer have to fear what's going to happen to your children now that you have been diagnosed with cancer, or you no longer have to fear if some other tragedy or some other crisis has hit your life. You no longer have to fear. God is good in every respect, and he is worthy of our fear, the fear of the Lord. When you fear the Lord, he provides all that you need when you need it. I just want you to look back at these verses that we just read a moment ago. Look at your Bibles. I want you to understand that God is good and what David is trying to say to us, what God is trying to say to us himself is that he is good. I mean, look at verse eight. Old taste and see that the what? Lord is good. Look down at verse 10. You see this word. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack what? No good thing. Look down at verse 12. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see what? Good. Look at verse 14. Turn away from evil and what? Do good. Seek peace and pursue it. There is this theme that is consistently running through this text. There is a great author. His last name was Tozier. He writes this about the goodness of God. Listen to this. The goodness of God is the drive behind all of the blessings of daily. He daily bestows upon us the goodness of God. 
God created us because he felt good in his heart and he redeemed us for the same reason. I want you to understand that everything that comes from God is good. Everything. David's invitation there is, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You need to taste and see it. You know what that means? It means experience it. It means walk with the Lord. Bless him, yes, but fear him, secondly. To experience what God is doing and has done in your life. Come and experience the goodness of God. Students, this past week at camp, you experienced the goodness of God. You experienced what God was doing in the lives of other students. You heard truth. You heard gospel truth. You know how many sermons they listened to? I think it was, what, five or six I don't know how many they they heard all week long. It was like two a day. They heard two sermons a day. How about that? You want to sign up for that? And yet they came back excited and joyful about it. Because the word of God points us to the goodness of God. They were surrounded by people who loved on them. They were surrounded by the spirit of God. The goodness of God surrounded them at every moment. Let me say this to them and to you. Their problems didn't go away. Some of these students came home with crisis at home. That didn't go away when you came home, did it? The difficulties of life did not go away. The things that they struggled with and were struggling with at home or in their personal life or with friendships or with family members or anything going on in their life, when they got on that buses on Monday morning, were there waiting for them when they came home. But the goodness of God surrounded them for a week and it carried home with them, even in the midst of their crisis, even in the midst of their struggle. You see, that is the goodness of God. It's all rooted in the fear of God. That's what David is trying to say to us. We're to revere him so that we don't fight against him. You see that? When we fear the Lord, we're not fighting against him. When we're not fearing the Lord, then we're pushing back against him in our life. But the fear of the Lord is so freeing. It's putting myself under the authority and the power of Almighty God in my life, and therefore he changes my heart. Begins to want, I begin to desire him. I begin to desire the life that God has given me. Look down at verse 12. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Where are we seeing that in the New Testament? I mean, to love life is to desire life. Listen to me. Whether you're 90 years old or whether you're 10 years old, you, to desire life, to pursue life is something that comes only through Jesus Christ, an abundant life, doesn't it? This is what Jesus did. Look at John chapter 10 with me. Two verses, very important verses for us this morning. John chapter 10, we have that? Nope. Okay, let me read to, for it this morning. But it says this, John chapter 10, verse 10 and 11. Check this out. It says this. Uh, let me get to it. Here we go. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Look at verse, listen to verse 11. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Listen, that is the goodness of God that we see in Jesus Christ, this idea of life. In verse 12 of Psalm 34, what man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? This is why you need to give your life to Jesus Christ. Because if you want an abundant life, if you want to taste and experience the life that God wants to give to you and I, even in the midst of crisis, bad days, good days, everything in between, you got to give your life to Jesus Christ. 
You've got to allow him to be the Savior and the Lord of your life. You've got to turn away from your sin and start following him with your life. And when you do, what God promises and Jesus Christ promises is to step into your life and to be your Savior and the Lord and then give you and grant you this abundant life that he has promised to you. Peter used this very psalm, Psalm 34. In 1 Peter chapters 2 and 3, he quotes this. Look at this. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 3, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. And, and then he says this in chapter 2, verse 10 and, and 11 and 12, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Peter uses Psalm 34 to reference the fact that what the Christians were going through then was persecution. They were being marginalized. Sound familiar? They were going through difficult days because they were trying to live a righteous life, because they were trying to please the Lord, because they were trying to fear the Lord God in their life. Peter says, taste and see in that moment that the Lord is good. Continue fearing him. Pursue him. Speak what is true. Look at your text again in verse um, uh, 13. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Sound familiar? We just heard that. Speak what is true. Pursue what is right in verse 14. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. That's what it means to fear the Lord. When life goes bad, when life goes bad, remember the goodness of God. You bless the Lord. You fear the Lord. But finally, David turns and says, hey, listen, trust the Lord. Because what he does is he begins to turn and begins to amplify and magnify the name of God, of, of God himself, begins to talk about the Lord, talk about who he is, and that he is worthy of being trusted. Look at verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. See, this is how... David looks at his life says, this is how the goodness of the Lord is expressed. He cares for those who trust him. He is for you. He cares for those who trust in him. He cares for those who are faithful to him. He cares for those who are on his side. Notice he doesn't say that you're going to escape all the bad seasons in your life. In fact, when you read these verses... He even talks about the afflictions of the righteous. It's not as though that when you follow God with your life, there is no affliction. It's not as though when you follow God with your life that there is no suffering, no pain, no crisis that's going to come into your life. In fact, both the faithful, notice it, and the wicked go through afflictions. Both those who fear the Lord, bless the Lord, and trust the Lord and those who are wicked in every way in their life, those who don't, go through bad seasons in their life. You know what the difference is? 
Difference is the outcome. It's the outcome. That's what David is saying about the Lord here. The, the, the difference is what happens in the end. Because you see, that is where the grace of God is experienced in our lives. Yeah, you're going through a crisis. Yes, you're going through a very difficult season in your life, but that's where the grace of God shows up. It pours into your life. God steps into your life knowing you're going through what you're going through, knowing you're going through the crisis that you're going through. He steps into your life. He pours Christians around you. He pours people around you. He gives you that verse of scripture. He puts those sermons in your life. He puts those Christian friends around you to encourage you, to point you to the Lord so that you don't continue going down this path where Satan wants you to go, and that is to continue to blame and to continue to get further and further and further and further and further down. He says, look to me. That's his grace. He reminds you that there is a great outcome in the end for the righteous. For those who are going through afflictions as the righteous, God is at work. I mean, just look at verse 15 again with me. The eyes of the Lord are toward where? The righteous. His eyes see what are hidden. His eyes see everything that is going on in your life that you cannot see. He sees the outcome. Look at verse 15 again. His ears are toward what? Their cry. God hears your cries. He hears those late night prayers when you cry out to him. Those early morning times and moments when you pour your heart out to the Lord when no one else around you understands the pain and the suffering going on in your heart and in your life, not your spouse, not your children, not your best friend. No one knows you. Not even you. No one knows you better than the Lord who made you. He knows your cries. He hears the voice of your cries. His eyes are on you. He sees what's hidden. But David's not done. Look at verse 16. The face of the Lord. You've got the eyes. You've got the ears. Now you have the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. His face is against the wicked. I mean, just think about the outcome of where David says in verse 21. Jump down to verse 21. Affliction will slay the wicked. And those who have the righteous, be, hate the righteous, will be condemned. Now, take that. Opposed, as opposed to what it says in verse 22 about the righteous. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. So you don't have to worry about the, the wicked. You don't have to worry about those who are harming you or causing suffering in your life. The Lord keeps them in check. Therefore, don't join the wicked. Don't start to blame God. Trust the Lord. Trust him. Because of his goodness. His goodness. God is a good, good God. Listen to this verse. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. So at the proper time he may exalt you. Listen to this. Casting all your anxieties on him because what? He cares for you. I mean, when you give your life to Jesus Christ and there is so much richness in this personal relationship with Christ, everything changes when you give your life to Christ. 
Look at Galatians 2, verse 20, very familiar verse to all of us. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. Listen to what Paul says. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who what? loved me, that's past tense, and gave himself for me, that's past tense. You see, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, everything changes. The Lord is on your side entirely. Which is why Paul gets to Romans chapter 8, one of the greatest chapters in all of the Bible, and he says this, what then shall we say to, those, to these things if God is for us, what? Who can be against us? We know these verses, right? He who did not spare his own son, if he's willing to do that, but gave himself up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? That's pretty powerful, isn't it? And on and on Paul goes. You see, either you're coming out of a crisis, you're in one, or you're preparing to be in one. It may not happen for five years. It may not happen for 10 years. It may not happen for another week. But there's going to come a time in your life when you sit and you're looking, you're looking at your spouse, or you're looking at yourself in the mirror and going, how in the world did I get here? But that's not the question to ask. The question to ask is this, how do I walk through it now that I'm in it? God's word is very clear to us. You need to remember the goodness of God. David went through a bad season in his life, but he remembered the goodness of God. He was determined to bless the Lord. He was determined in his life to fear the Lord. He was determined in his life to trust the Lord. God invites you to do the same. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Listen, we come to a time in our service where we call it the response time. Listen, I'm going to say this to you this morning. If you are here today and you're going through a crisis in your life personally, I just want to pray for you. And so as our worship team is making their way in place, they're going to lead us in a song. And I just want to pray for you this morning. I don't know your situation. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you've just come out of. But I want to pray for you on a personal level this morning. If you just need help, maybe you need prayer. Maybe you need to come here to the front and just come and pray and talk to the Lord here at the front. You come during this time that we sing. If you just need someone to pray for you, I'm available. There are others in this room who are willing to pray with you right now for any particular thing you need to pray over in your life. You come. I mean, we need each other. Maybe you're here this morning and you need to give your life to Jesus Christ. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He's done everything for you. He's went, he went to the cross for you. He suffered for you. He suffered in your place so that you could experience an abundant life. And maybe that's what you are missing right now in your life. Maybe you're going to church. Maybe you're visiting churches. I don't know what's going on in your life. But if you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, that's what he wants you to do today. And so when we stand and sing, I want you to have the courage to come. Give your life to Jesus Christ. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life. If you're here today and you want to join our church, maybe be baptized, you know, this altar is open. This time is open for us to commit to the Lord what he wants for our lives. I want to pray for you. And we're going to stand and sing Psalm 23 again together as we did it last Sunday. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for every person in this room. We are not here by accident, but we have been drawn together to you, by you. 
and to one another. And we thank you for this congregation. We thank you for this church. We thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit that's been evident in our church, in our service this morning, and is at work now. And Lord, we just pray that you'd have the freedom to move in here, that Lord, we would not say no to you, but that we would say yes to you, that we would turn over ourselves to you, and that God, we would say yes to you in every area that you're calling us to. Lord, I pray for those in this room that are suffering, going through difficult seasons. I pray that God, they would bless you, even though it does not make earthly sense. I pray that they would fear you, and I pray that they would trust you, because you are a good, good God, and we worship you this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Let's worship him.
Amen. Amen. You can be seated. You know, as, uh, as we close our service out this morning, um, you know, I, I want to say one thing to us. I say it on, on a, once in a while, but, you know, I'm always available at the end of the service for to talk to you. We have other people that are willing to talk to you about any matter in your life um, and counsel you, pray with you, talk to you about the Lord and talk to you about how to be saved, any of those pressing questions in your life and, and ministry. So I'm always available to you this morning, so I want to let, let you know about that today. Listen, as we, before we close our service, we want to give um, financially to the Lord, our tithes and our offerings, and we do that as an act of worship each Sunday. And so you can do that here in person, you can do it online, you can drop it off at the, uh, at the church office throughout the week. We're going to pray for that in a moment and uh, commit our offerings and our tithes to the Lord today. So uh, you can uh, do that. If you have a prayer request or one of those guest information cards you filled out, you can drop it in one of the boxes as you leave today. I want to remind you of that, or you can just give it to me. Uh, it'll, those will come back to me anyway, um, but, uh, but I want to remind us of that. It is a season where we are preparing for a new ministry year. You know, as we start our new ministry year on Wednesdays and Sundays and so forth, we are getting equipped. We are growing in ministry, and uh, I just cannot overemphasize enough to be a part of, take part in one of two events that are coming up that we're providing and promoting for you on Sundays and throughout the week. One is the Equip Conference. It's coming up just in a few weeks on August the 5th, um, and that's going to be at Sagemont Church in, in Houston. Um, that's put on by one of our state conventions here, and it is incredible experience. There'll be over 200 breakout sessions on any area of ministry you can think of in the life of a church. Small groups of good instruction and, and teaching and talking, and uh, the people that'll be there, all people involved in churches all across the state of Texas, and I uh, really want to encourage you to take part in that. You can sign up either through our office if you need help with that, or you can just sign up on your own, um, but that is the Equip Conference coming up, and also we have what's called the Impact Conference. We promote this every year as well. Incredible conference up in Lufkin. That's put on by our, our local association of churches, um, we're a part of that, and it's going to be at Southside Baptist on Saturday, August 26th. That's coming up. We've got some, there's some great breakout sessions and ministry areas as well, and that's coming up here uh, uh, end of next month, um, at the end of August. Vacation Bible School is upon us, and so one of the events that we want to do today is we're going to have a prayer walk here on our campus right at noon. So if you go to class at 11, you get out of class, we want you to be a part of that, and so we want you to meet everyone in the connection point, right around the connection point area, and you'll get a prayer guide, and then you'll just go walk around the campus and the spaces that we're going to be doing ministry throughout the week, and just pray over this campus, pray over those rooms, pray over the people that are going to be serving in those rooms, and pray, of course, for our children as they are coming up, and so we want to encourage you to do that, okay? And so that's going to be right at the end of the service, all right? And I think that is it. So be in prayer for VBS this week, pray for the volunteers, lift them up, encourage them, and uh, speak a word of encouragement to our students at camp, speak a word of encouragement to the children who are going to be a part of VBS this week, and let's, uh, let's have a great week of ministry together. You with me? All right, let's do that. Let's pray. Let's stand and, and uh, we'll have a word of prayer to dismiss us and uh, close our service out. Let's pray over our tithes and our offerings today. God, we thank you this morning just for the opportunity that we've had to worship you in this place. We give back to you these tithes and these offerings. Use them, multiply them. We ask God for your hand to be upon them 
and uh, help us to do good. Uh, help us to do good in our ministry here locally and globally. We love you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. See you break down every wall. We'll watch the 